Kick Radio, WYCD, HD3 Detroit, KJAQ, HD3 Seattle, WBMX, HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio, and Yahoo Launchcast. Welcome to Transform and Heal Your Life. I'm your host, KG Styles, and I'm here to help you navigate the cycles of your life with more grace and ease. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate having an opportunity to offer you something to nourish your heart, mind, and soul. Today, you'll learn about spontaneous evolution, our positive future, and a way to get there from here. My guest, Dr. Bruce Lipton, is an internationally recognized authority on bridging science and spirit and the New York Times bestselling author of The Biology of Belief. In 2009, Dr. Lipton received the Goy Peace Award, which is Japan's equivalent to the Nobel Peace Prize, in recognition of his groundbreaking work. Dr. Lipton's most recent book is Spontaneous Evolution, Our Positive Future, and a Way to Get There from Here. We are taking your questions for Bruce, so please send instant feedback at psychicalonair.com. We'd love to hear from you. Let's take just a moment to breathe together. Place your hand over your heart. And connect with your own inner being. Feel your love connection with everyone on today's call and around our planet. Breathe in and exhale slowly, letting go of any tension. Breathe in once more and exhale. Open your heart to hear any anything message that I might especially have for you on today's call. Thank you. It's wonderful to join with you as always. The angel overlighting today's show is Shamuel, the angel of peace and calmness. Shamuel's name means he who sees God or he who seeks God. Shamuel gives assistance with developing love, compassion, and gratitude in all circumstances of one's life. Call upon Shamuel for comfort, support, and protection in your relationships, worldly affairs, and events. On today's show, my guest, Dr. Bruce Lipton, will talk about Spontaneous Evolution, the title of his most recent book. Dr. Lipton is the New York Times bestselling author of The Biology of Belief. His early pioneering studies in epigenetics prove that we have a choice as to which of our genes we turn on and off. By choosing a healthy environment and culture for ourselves, meaning our lifestyle choices, the foods we eat, the thoughts we think, and so on, we activate genetic potentials within ourselves. Dr. Lipton received the prestigious 2009 Goy Peace Award in recognition of his pioneering work in the field of new biology. The annual Goy Peace Award honors individuals and organizations in various fields that have made outstanding contributions toward the realization of a peaceful and harmonious world for all of life on planet Earth. To learn more about Dr. Bruce Lipton and his pioneering work, please visit his website, where you can also learn about his upcoming events, subscribe to his newsletter, and more. That website address is brucelipton.com. We are taking calls during the show, so please send instant feedback at psychicalonair.com. Please welcome to the show my very special guest, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is joining us via Skype from New Zealand. Welcome to the show, Bruce. KG, thank you so much, and uh, I just want to uh, thank you for this opportunity to talk to your wonderful audience uh, about some new and exciting ideas. 
I am thrilled to have you with us. Let's talk first a little bit about your new book, Spontaneous Evolution, Our Positive Future and a Way to Get There from Here. What is Spontaneous Evolution? We've held a, a scientific belief for a long time that evolution was a very slow, gradual process that takes place over millions and millions of years. Uh, and this is a, a conventional Darwinian belief. But over the last 20 or 30 years, science has recognized that evolution actually takes jumps, that things seem to be going along at some steady state, and all of a sudden there's some upheaval. And then uh, life starts all over again. So uh, we refer to these as mass extinctions, that five times in the history of the planet, uh, life essentially just got wiped out by some cataclysmic event, and then evolution started right up, uh, rapid evolution. So there was a jump. So basically said, our belief that that evolution is a long, slow process uh, really gives way to an understanding that uh, the jumps are occurring and that we are in the process of such a jump right now. So meaning that there's an evolutionary change just in front of our face, that we're just tasting it, and there's going to be a rapid jump, and there will be a new expression of evolution. And this is what's happening on the planet right now, that life, and especially human civilization, is on the edge of a radical change in how we live our lives. And Interestingly enough, it's a, it's a necessary change for a simple reason. As I said, there were five previous examples of mass extinctions, and they were uh, attributed to things such as comets or asteroids uh, uh, upsetting the environment on the planet. Uh, and science has recognized that we are now, now this is important, deep into the sixth mass extinction of life, that species are disappearing at rates never observed before, that it's just a, a rapid alteration of the environment is going on. And But what's very important to this is that the uh, extinction that we're facing right now uh, is really due to things closer to home because science has recognized that human behavior is contributing to the undermining of the environment in the biosphere, and it's precipitating our own extinction. So all of a sudden it says, well, wait a minute, if human behavior is doing that, if we change behavior, then we can change the planet. And the answer is absolutely. And uh, so as we're facing all these crises, uh, the crises are causing us to reconsider for the, you know, as a mass population to reconsider what are we doing? <laughs> because yes. whatever it is we're doing, it's leading to this right now. Yes, yes. Well, your book subtitle mentions humanity's positive future. Where is the evidence for this, Bruce? Well, the evidence is uh, the reality that evolution is um, fractal in its nature, and that's uh, that's that's meaning that fractal is a uh, means geometry, a certain type of geometry. Uh, when most of us went to school, we learned geometry where we, you know, we drew cubes or spheres or cones on graph paper uh, uh, and saw how you put objects into space. That's geometry. Well, it turns out that the geometry we learned in school is not actually the geometry of the nature, how nature works. Nature uses a different geometry. It's called fractal geometry, and it's actually uh, a very simple geometry, but there's a characteristic to it that's most amazing. Uh, and the characteristic is this, is that the geometric structures at one level of the organization uh, is very similar to the geometric structures at any other level of the organization. So at the microscopic level, the geometric structures there are very similar to the geometric structures at the macroscopic level. The point about fractals, uh, in, in an a, uh, ancient 
way, and here's the truth. This is the truth of a fractal geometry. As above, so below. And basically, that means that if you can see the pattern at any one level, you can then infer the pattern at other levels. And the pattern that we're coming out of right now is a pattern of evolution. It was actually played out here once before in the evolution of animals. The pattern was uh, we went from fish, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals. And mammals are the nurturers. Well, human civilization is playing a pattern of that. And we've been through the fish phase, which was mariculture, early uh, civilizations on the planet. And then we went through amphibian phase, which was agriculture, because amphibians took the water onto the land. And that's where we started growing food on the land instead of living at the sea. Uh, and then we went into reptiles, and uh, reptiles were the machine age and the industrial age, and because reptiles were like machine animals. They mean, even talk about dinosaurs as killing machines. Uh, so basically, the reptilian phase is the one we're in right now. It's the one that's actually uh, fueled by, they call the blood of the dinosaur, oil. So we're actually living in a civilization that is, is using this oil. And uh, so the significance is that... Um, uh, that we're the KG. Yes. Okay. Oh, I just want to. Uh, the the sound shifted, and I was thinking there was a switch between New Zealand and the states, but we're still there. We're, <laughs> okay. So we're, yes, you're doing yeah. great. Um, but what's basically happening is this: the industrial world started out as mom and pop little shops, and they grew into the dinosaurs of the industrial world called corporations. And the corporations now are just like the dinosaurs. They're, they're threatening the, the globe in the process of, of just destroying environments as well. And here's the interesting part, that the dinosaur phase, the industrial age, gave rise to aviation. The, uh, the bird phase, bird, Wilbur and Orville Wright took off, and they, aviation changed the entire planet and how we communicate and how we see the world and all that. But it led to landing on the moon in 1969. And in 1969, there was an evolutionary shift that we didn't see because we didn't understand at the time. But here's what it was. We were in the industrial age. We introduced the bird phase. Remember, we go from reptiles, birds, and mammals. We, the industrial age gave rise to the birds, the aviation age, which took us to the moon. And with the perspective that birds have because they fly above things, uh, we saw ourselves as a planet suspended in the darkness of space in 1969. We all saw the picture came back from space. There we are, that little blue-green thing sitting in the blackness of it all. And the people in 1969, it, it struck a major psychological chord in civilization because we saw the Earth for what it was, a small, fragile structure, and we're suspended in all this blackness. And, and what it did is it induced in 1969, the age of the hippies and all that, uh, an understanding of we taking care of the planet, taking care of our water, taking care of our air, taking care of our children, taking care was part of that whole hippie generation. Let's take care of everything. Well, it's interesting because taking care is called nurturing. And nurturing, the characteristic of mammals. Nurturers are mammals. So in 1969, a new civilization started to be seeded, the mammals, the nurturers, the ones that will take care and bring the garden back, in a sense take care of each other, brings the earth back. And and yet, the, here's the interesting story. In the evolution of reptiles, birds, and mammals, there were dinosaurs here when the early mammals were here. The early mammals were the soft, furry little animals. They were the sort of like the meek and the, the dinosaurs, Tyrannosaurus rex. They were all here at the same time. But what happened? An evolutionary upheaval occurred. 
and the dinosaur population crashed, was not sustainable, and the mammals took over the earth. The meat took over the earth. And where are we today? Well, the big economic collapse that's going on is an economic collapse that was generated by the corporations, the dinosaurs that have been feeding off of all this, and they're collapsing. And then you, everybody's like, oh, that means the end of our world. And I'm going, no, no. It's the breaking down of an old way of living where corporations live for me only. Corporations' only drive is to make money and grow, uh, but their awareness is very limited. So the collapse of the situation right now is very exciting because it is part of an evolutionary step. And while we have been focusing on the fear, that's the problem because basically what we're moving to is something far greater and sustainable because the way we're living right now, science has already said, hey, the way you're going right now, you're going extinct. Here's the data. And, and there's an old quote from Einstein. I just love it. It goes, you cannot solve the problems with the same thinking that created them. And the relevance about that is the problems that we are facing in humanity today is the way we have culturally been programmed to live on the planet. And we have just been destroying the planet, destroying ourselves. Uh, it's, it's actually like an autoimmune disease where we're killing ourselves. And, and, and the relevance is you can't solve the problems with the thinking that created. And guess what? The thinking that created it are the, the basic institutions that are faltering right now. So, beautiful part. As Einstein would say, we want to make that evolution. The old structures must fall because they're responsible for the problems. So, simple point. We look at the world right now, and people stand back in fear of, oh, my God, the structure I've known that has been the way of life is falling apart. And what I'm suggesting is recognize the beauty of what is happening. Because the dissolution of the old structure is going to allow a new understanding of civilization to arise. One that says, yes, take care of the planet. Yes, take care of each other. That we are all cells. Every human is not an individual as we have been led to perceive at the level we see it. That every human individual is a cell in a larger thing, a superorganism in biological terms called humanity. We are all cells in something greater called humanity, and yet humanity at this moment of its, of its evolution is experiencing an autoimmune disease where the cells are fighting against each other, and it's the realization of our unity of the world, and that's why I get very excited. And to, to even put it in the simplest terms, it's simple like this. Cells are the equivalent of miniature people. We look inside a caterpillar that's growing, and there are billions of cells in there that are creating all the jobs and functions, digestion, respiration, movement. These, are, these cells that do that are like people doing jobs. And so if you were a cell in a caterpillar and the caterpillar was growing, oh, the economy would be fabulous. Everybody say, wow, it's growing every day. Things are great. And, you know, everybody's employed and life is just so wonderful because we're on the move. And then one day the growth starts to slow down. And then all of a sudden you start to find that, well, there's not so much food coming in. Well, there's not so many need for so many cells in the digestive system. And that all of a sudden it's not moving so much anymore. So the muscle cells are out of work at this point. And what happens is inside that caterpillar, the population of cells or miniature people are beginning to see a dissolution of the structure. And many of the cells actually commit apoptosis, which is a biological term called suicide. <laughs> they actually will pull their own plug. And this uh, upheaval, but here's the the, the good Bruce, side. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Yeah. yeah. We're 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 out of break time. Hold that thought. Sorry to interrupt oh, you. Oh goodness. Was, 
Okay, then okay the we're on conclusion. a break. So, <laughs> so, so hold that thought so we can come back to it. We are taking your questions if you have any for Bruce. So please send instant feedback at psychicalonair.com. We'd love to hear from you. You're listening to Transform and Heal Your Life with KG Styles, CBS Radio. Be right back. Join Lori Houston for Intuitive Soul. Lori Houston is a professional and intuitive counselor. She incorporates her professional qualifications that includes a bachelor's degree in social work and neuro-linguistic programming, amongst others with her intuitive counseling and natural clairsentient abilities. She's been on her spiritual path for the last 18 years and during that time has acquired through extensive studies, teaching, and sacred texts over 25 different healing modalities. Visit with Lori Houston Wednesday at 7 o'clock on Psychic Radio, powered by CBS.
Live the life you've imagined. Look up to the sky. Back to KG Styles. Transform and heal your life. 248-545-SOUL. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. Welcome back to Transform and Heal Your Life. I'm your host, KG Styles. Today we are talking about spontaneous evolution, your positive future, and a way to get there from here. My guest is Bruce Lipton, an internationally renowned expert on bridging spirit and matter. We are taking your questions, so uh, please instant feedback. Bruce at PsychicOnAir.com. Bruce, at the end of our last segment, you were talking about, you were describing the planetary metamorphosis that we're undergoing presently and describing that metamorphosis. And you were also talking about how intelligent each of our cells is and that whole, the whole process. So what can our t- cells teach us about solving our current economic crisis, the politics, government, universal health care, military, you know, all the military uh, uh, upheaval and all that's going on in the world, how can we, you know, get more balance and growth and protection going for ourselves? Well, the, the, I think the, the big issue is the protection problem right away, and, and it's based on this matter is that we have been programmed to focus on the falling apart and with no vision on where we're going. So if that's what you see, then everywhere you look, there's crisis. Everything is, is negative and scary, and there's a tendency to get into protection and pull yourself out and sort of wall yourself off from what appears to be life-threatening situation right now. And what's very interesting is that is actually uh, about 180 degrees the wrong direction of where we should be because the understanding of the nature of the biology of belief, which is how our thoughts actually manifest our, our biology and control our genes, the new science of epigenetics, uh, our beliefs also influence the outside world. And the issue about it is is that collective beliefs manifest for the collective population uh, in the same manner that your own beliefs affect your own personal life. So if we get enough people to believe in the same thing, then those things manifest. Very simply, for example, uh, uh, you can't have a war unless you get a large number of people to agree to it. It just doesn't happen. I mean, I'm sitting here, uh, let's say, hoping for peace right now, and I'm saying I want peace, and it's not necessarily going to happen until when? Until a substantially large enough number of people are also saying the same thing. So in personal life, biology of personal belief affects you uh, and your immediate sphere of life. But the same thing applies to a collective. So when when you have millions and billions of people sharing a belief, then those beliefs become what we manifest in our world and experience. So what if we just look at what people are believing today and we say, my God, they're all afraid about this, the end, the whole thing's falling apart, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that. Well, if everyone believes exactly that same thing, then we will manifest uh, a life experience that will absolutely match that. So the point is, is what can we do? And the answer is very simply this, is detach from those beliefs. Focus on where we can go in a positive direction because that, that's where our evolution is all about. And our evolution, the first thing in the modern evolution is to recognize the power of the biology of belief because it simply says that our consciousness uh, actually affects and shapes the world we live in. And this is not just a biological point of view. This is absolute fundamental quantum physics, which says the observer is also the creator in the experiment, so that a scientist doing an experiment by observing it is influencing the outcome of the experiment, that we all are are creating a reality, and this is from quantum physics. 
But the biology is now giving us a little bit more insight of how that creative nature affects our own genetics and our own behavior. And, and so the relevance about this is the first step in our evolution in uh, attaining this higher level of evolution, the butterfly phase of human civilization, is to recognize that our thoughts are powerful and that our, our mind is actually creating what we're seeing in a way. And as a result, excuse me, as a result, we have to start focusing on, on a, a better way of life and a better way of communicating and the, this nature. And some people say, well, positive thinking, oh, that's a positive thinking guy. And, and then I go, well, no, basically, uh, uh, positive thinking is a good idea, but it doesn't necessarily work uh, because it, while we think we're running our lives with our conscious thoughts, it turns out that neuroscience has revealed that 95% of our life is actually running from our habits and our, the programs we acquired when we were younger. And the, our whole evolution that's in front of us is based on recognizing how our thoughts are doing this and how it's our unconscious thoughts that were programmed by others are contributing to the life that we're experiencing more than our own personal wishes and desires or positive thinking because that's that comes from the conscious mind and the habits that we live by come from the subconscious mind. So basically it says, what's about this? We are all very powerful people. Our limitations, unfortunately, are in the beliefs we acquire when we're very young. And, and while I'm down here in New Zealand, uh, I appreciate it because there's actually uh, a term they use for the parenting phase, which determines how we grow up. Uh, and they call this phase cutting the tall poppies. And really what it represents, a gardener plants a row of poppies. The poppies come up to about the same height. Every now and then one poppy shoots its head higher than the other ones. And the gardener's job is cut the heads off the tall poppies. So in regard to raising a child, if a child shows exceptional traits or characteristics, uh, then the tendency of the parent is to cut the tall poppies, bring them back to average. So we all became average. We all lost our powers. And, and we have to come back to own who we really are. And this is very exciting because this is our evolution right now because once we own that our thoughts are creating and then we as a group coherently begin to see thoughts of a harmony and a balance and, a, and community, that's what will actually manifest on this planet. Well, how does science get so focused on the material and why is materialism on shaky ground? Well, the science is focused on the materialism, which is the current version of science, is based on something we call Newtonian physics. And Newtonian physics, if you understand how that physics actually arrived, um, uh, science was trying to understand the nature of the universe. But there was a division at that time because when science was just founded as an endeavor, the church was running the world, and the church had a set of beliefs. And if anybody questioned those beliefs, uh, that led to an inquisition. So science had a rough time getting off the ground because we came up with beliefs different than the church, then they were persecuted for it. So at some point around the time of Newton, there was a, 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 an agreement made between science and the church. And, and here's what the agreement was. Science said, we will leave the invisible realm, the energy realm, the spirit realm to the church, and we will only study the physical realm. So science said the invisible stuff was metaphysics, and the real universe, as they described it, is the physical realm. And they try to understand how it works. And when Newton was able to predict the movements of the planets by just understanding the physical characteristics, it pushed science into the mainstream saying, you can understand how the world works without invoking spirit or without invoking energy or invisible forces because 
accordingly at that time, the belief was Newton's uh, uh, founding said, you don't need to add that to the equation. You can understand the world as a physical machine. Well, science created biology, which created medicine with the same belief. You want to understand life? Oh, it's a physical machine. You don't have to invoke the invisible or the concepts of spirit or energy and understanding life. It's a biochemical robot. And if we just treat it as such, we can fix it and adjust it. Well, the failure of that, of course, is that medicine is one of the leading causes of death in the United States, a process called iatrogenic illness, where the treatment actually leads to the disease or death. Uh, and why is that relevant? Because it says a biology-based just on the physical understanding is incomplete. And the significance of this was this is exactly what quantum physics said in 1925 when it was introduced to the world, where it, it didn't eliminate Newtonian physics, it incorporated Newtonian physics, but with this stipulation, the invisible energy phase is the shaper, uh, the primary shaper of the physical phase. And then it says, wait, we left the invisible phase out of the equation for science, and now quantum physics says, no, you must return it. Well, how, where does that come into you and me? And the answer is our thoughts and our beliefs are actually energy that control the brain secretions, which control the physical body. So all it says our thoughts are actually shaping our body, and, and the thoughts are not physical. And the invisible stuff, and so the simple conclusion is this. A long time ago, spiritualists talked about spirit and what it was, it an invisible moving force that shaped the world that we live in. And today, quantum physicists talk about the field. And they say, what's the field? The field is an invisible moving force that shapes the world. And all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, quantum physics is bringing back the underpinnings of the more spiritual period a long time ago when the invisible forces were recognized as being relevant. And when we bring that into today's world, that brings consciousness and spirit into a world where conventional materialist science has said it was you know, not pertinent to your life. Now it turns out not just to be pertinent, it is the main factor that controls your physical life and the world that we live in. Well, we're coming up on another break. And when we come back, I want to find out more about... Um, the science, how science assumes evolution is a random process and what the difference is between random and chaotic and why that's important, okay? So you're listening to Transform and Heal Your Life with KG Styles on CBS Radio. Be right back. From our universe to yours, this is Psychic Radio. We know you're listening. Log on to psychiconair.com. a bloom shoots up through the stony ground but there's no room no space to win in this town you're out of luck and the reason that you had to care the traffic is stuck
545 Soul CBS Radio's The New Sky NewSkyRadio.com Welcome back to Transform and Heal Your Life. I'm your host, KG Styles. Today we are talking about spontaneous evolution, your positive future, and a way to get there from here. My guest is Dr. Bruce Lipton, an internationally renowned expert on bridging spirit and matter. We are taking questions for Bruce, uh, so send us instant feedback at psychiconeair.com. So, Bruce, um, could you talk yes. a little more about the science of evolution and why it's you know, the difference between a random process, how it's been assumed to be a random process, and how, and the difference between random and chaotic, and just how evolution really happens. Yeah, well, this is a very important uh, question, not just for the mechanism of how it happened, but for the significance of, of believing how it happened. It goes like this. Um, before 1860, uh, the world operated with the beliefs that the truth uh, that that how the world operates would come from the church. So anybody ever had a question about what they needed to know about the world? How to, but after 1860, the world changed because uh, Darwin's theory of evolution came in, and uh, the concept of uh, uh, ge- uh, Genesis in the Bible uh, didn't seem to appeal as much to the people as the belief that we got here through a process of evolution because it made more sense in those days, uh, a day when people were breeding animals and plants for, for like a pastime activity. Everyone was aware how traits were passed on and every now and then a weirdo would show up. Uh, so people bought into science as, a, as where you get truth. So ever since science came in, then civilization in wanting to know how to operate uses the understanding of science to base its behavior. Well, significance is, I say, well, what are the premises of Darwinian theory? And there's two important premises. One, that the mutations that occur are totally random events and uh, have no connection to what's going on in the, in the environment. And why that, that belief becomes very important, it says, then what reason are we here for evolutionarily? And an evolutionary biologist would have to say, well, it's just a coincidence. It was just an accident of mutations. It's the only reason we're here. And that disconnects us from the environment because it says that we're not connected. Uh, our presence wasn't directly connected with that environment. And uh, that's an unfortunate situation because you can see how uh, in the last couple hundred years then how um, we have – just destroyed the, the, the planet uh, without even thinking of our connection to the planet because we see ourselves as being disconnected. That's the unfortunate part of that random mutation business. And then I say, is it really random? And the answer turns out it's not, it's not random because we now know that there's a different type of mutation, not the random ones that are accidents, but they're, they're adaptive mutations, mutations that are generated 
by an organism in its effort to adapt to an environment. So as an organism moves from one environment to another environment, it will actually uh, its own genome, its own genes, and, and change the expression of the genes to fit the environment. So basically, it says, oh, it's pollution. It wasn't an accident. We were we were here as part of a, a, a bringing of harmony and balance to the environment. And then you stand back and say, oh, that was our evolutionary reason why each organism was introduced in the environment. The answer is yes. Each organism, as it comes into the environment, uh, environment a bit, but the next organism that comes in tries to balance it out. We distort your organism, the, the environment, and then a new organism tries to balance it out. So we're at some part of that chain uh, of trying to bring harmony and balance. And, and, and in fact, look how powerful an influence humanity has because by not understanding it, we've actually dis, uh, uh, imbalanced, uh, created an imbalance in the environment that is causing our own extinction. So it's important for us to recognize the primary uh, presence or evolution of humanity on this planet had a, a purpose, and that was to bring harmony and balance to, to the environment, uh, which means that we were here to, to help garden it, as the Native Americans said. And exactly, they were right on because they understood it. We're here to, to maintain the garden. And then you look at the garden and the way we've treated it, and then you say, geez, well, I'm not surprised that, that we're going extinct because um, the garden provided for our existence, and, and we are negatively impacting that. So a change of thought, which is happening right now, uh, and we're beginning to understand the, our nature and our involvement in this behavior, is giving us an opportunity to change our behavior and our thinking so that we can then uh, facilitate a return to a balanced, harmonious garden. From nature's standpoint, what is wealth? What are the implications for a new and healthy economy, Bruce? Well, it's very interesting uh, to understand the nature of the economy uh, 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 is to use the concept of fractals. And remember, fractals where the image above and the image below are, are almost identical. They're called self-similar. And an important fractal that I emphasize in my books is that uh, a human cell is the equivalent of a miniature human because every function that's in a human Human body is present in virtually every one of our single cells. So a single cell uh, has, just like you, it, it, it eats and sleeps and, and behaves and responds to the world. So uh, cells are like miniature people. And then I say, yes, uh, when we look at a human body and we think of ourselves as single individuals, and I say, no, that's where we make a mistake because the human is not an individual per se. The in, a human being is a community of like 50 trillion cells that under our skin are all these cells. They're the living entity. We are just uh, the expression of the community of that. And so very interesting that community and the cells are like people in that community. But cells have jobs. Cells get paid. Cells have health care. Cells get protection. Uh, and all of all the goodness that the structure of the cells, 50 trillion cells, they live in a community, they have an economy. And, and, and therefore, if we want to understand how we can find a civilization that will thrive and survive, the answer is we'll follow the pattern of the 50 trillion cells. As above, so below. Look at the, uh, the answers from within. Because the cells have managed to live in communities far vast, more vast than the, the number of people on this planet, and they do it with economy. And so the basic understanding of the economy is this is that there's no such thing as wealth in the population until every cell gets the basic fundamental needs taken care of. In other words, the liver cell 
in your body is not going to accumulate a lot of extra energy, which is the money that uh, the coin of the realm actually is molecules of ATP. A liver cell will not accumulate a lot of ATP if a skin cell or, or a hair cell or some other cell is short and its life is threatened. Uh, the liver cell puts the energy back into the system to make sure that everyone gets covered. And then the interesting part, when the final needs of all the cells are covered, the extra energy or money produced by the civilization is then paid as salaries so that everybody gets a salary. And it's interesting because the cells are not communistic. Their cells have uh, different salaries based on their function. A skin cell does not get paid as much ATP as a nerve cell gets paid, for example. So basically it says the job and the salary are proportionate, so that's something interesting. But it also says this, that an individual can only make so much money in the sense that there's a, a, a liver cell can earn a lot of ATP, but after it gets to a certain point of ATP, it can't hold any more ATP. The extra ATP goes back into the system. And then the system has a bank, the community. And if you break your leg, your liver cell's contribution is immediately going to fix the, fix the leg. And uh, if there's a problem up in the brain, you can bet that the uh, skin cells and their contribution to the economy is going to go right up to the brain. So the money is to keep the community intact. So three levels of understanding the economy. First, there is no wealth until every individual gets the basic needs covered. Then anything produced above the basic needs is then paid in salaries, which uh, go to a certain level of, uh, of need. And then anything produced by the community beyond that goes into the total community bank to enhance the growth of that community and maintain it and keep it in its healthiest possible state. So the issue is, here, look at the world that we live in. It's like, I can have all the money and, and you don't. I mean, you get somebody like Bill Gates with, what, $60 billion, and, and then you find that some uh, you know, large mass, the percentage of the population is living on $10 a day. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense, and that people can't get health care in, in this country. Uh, all of a sudden, you start to realize, wait, the basic needs are not being met. And yet there are people walking away with massive amounts of money that could even, you know, part of which would have paid for the basic needs. So thinking has to change. The evolution yes. is changing because there's a new evolution. And, it, and the new evolution is we are part of an environment. We were brought in to build harmony and community. The whole biosphere is community. And that's our evolutionary directive from within. So if we look at the body as a community, as a functional way of living in peace and harmony and having everybody having enough you know it would be the perfect model for being able to how to how to structure this but at bottom what i'm hearing you say is that the reason our body gets on is because everybody trusts everybody to do what they whatever is their occupation what their part is right and when you introduce fear but when you introduce fear into the system it begins to break down because stress absolutely fear fear that's what creates disease in the body absolutely it's it's clear as black and white and everyone knows it at the scientific level that stress is the primary cause of all illness on this planet and it's not like a a difficult concept if you think about the difference between growth and protection if i give you a simple uh story back in the old days we had bomb shelters because we thought the uh, Russians were going to come and bomb us. And I would say something like, okay, consider uh, the small town, wonderful day, the schools are open, the factories are working. I would say the town is in growth and production, everybody's happy, uh, the community's in good shape. And then all of a sudden I say there's an air raid signal. 
Well, the air raid signal, everyone leaves their job and they go into the bomb shelter. And then uh, the significance about that is, uh, well, that means there's no production because everybody's in the bomb shelter in protection. So the idea is you can't be in growth while you're in protection because protection separates you and everybody's uh, protecting and covering themselves up. Well, if it's just an air raid test, no big deal because it's like, okay, 15-minute, 20-minute break from the day. We're back on the job again. Everything's cool. The problem happens, and here's the ultimate problem that we're experiencing now. It goes like this. What if there's an air raid alert? Everybody goes into the bomb shelter, and there's no all clear. And I say, well, what happens? Well, the first thing is this. How long can you live in the bomb shelter? And the answer is for as long as you got the materials that you've saved. But the moment you run out of those materials, you die because nobody created any more materials. Why? Because when everybody's in protection – you were not growing. You weren't creating anything new. So if you stay in protection, you stop your growth, and there's a level where you cannot maintain this for long for a simple reason. Every, every day in our 50 trillion cell population, we lose a trillion or more cells just out of natural death. And the issue is, yeah, but every day when you're healthy and you're in growth, you replace all those trillions of cells and you stay healthy. And then I say, well, what happens when you're in stress? And the answer is, oh. When you're in stress, you get in protection, and the growth processes are shut down. That means, well, how many days can you stay in that protection? The answer is the more days you are living in stress, fear, and protection, and that's the whole mode connected, is every day you're getting uh, less well, less able to take care of yourself, less able to repair the system and maintain health. So when you're in stress for a period of time, it actually causes a breakdown of the system, and that's why – a world that has maintained stress 24-7, 36 And the answer is it's not that our bodies are frail, but our bodies were never designed to be in fear for a long period of time just for a simple reason. Fear is just to allow you to survive the immediate necessity. It's fight or flight. You're chased by a saber-toothed tiger. You get away. Then the fear goes down, and then you go back into growth. But in it's today's world – It's time for a break. It's time for a break. You're being chased. <laughs> Uh, you are listening to Transform and Heal Your Life with KG Styles and CBS Radio. Psychic Radio. Psychiconair.com. The Wake Up Call with Alan Tom. Even though I love him and I'm worried about him, it is a blessing in disguise because I'm doing things to help me take better care of me. Good for you. Hi, it's Tom Force. Reverend L. Newman and I are here Monday night, 7 till 9, primetime Eastern Time in the United States with Wake Up Call on Psychic Radio. Psychic Radio. We know you're listening. Life is a journey. Let us be your guide. Reach out on the net now, psychiconair.com. Look for Psychic Radio on your AOL radio player.
Life you've imagined. Look up to the sky. Back to KG Styles. Transform and heal your life. 248-545-SOUL. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. Welcome back to Transform and Heal Your Life. I'm your host, KG Styles. Today, my guest is Dr. Bruce Lipton, internationally renowned expert on bridging science and spirit and matter and New York Times bestselling author of The Biology Belief and winner of the Japan's Goy Peace Award in 2009. We are talking about spontaneous evolution, our positive future, and a way to get there from here. Remember, you can visit the CBS archives to download past shows so you can listen again and share with your friends. Shows are also available on iTunes. Just do a search for KG Styles and you'll find all of my CBS shows as well as my hour-long showcases on conversations to enlighten Lighten and Heal, as well as uh, one of my conversations with Dr. Lipton, uh, which goes into considerable detail about the information contained in his book, The Biology of Belief. So, Bruce, now that we know what's so, so what, how do we change the old story and write a new one? How do we dream a new dream? Well, the, the first thing we have to understand is that uh, our behaviors are primarily controlled by our subconscious mind. And that our subconscious mind uh, acquired the fundamental programs of behavior from our parents and our teachers and our community around us. And so I say, okay, good. Then I, the fundamental programs of subconscious came from other people. And then I say, uh, yeah, and our conscious mind is the one connected to our personal identity, our spiritual self. And the conscious mind uh, is the creative mind. That's one the mind that has our wishes, our desires, our aspirations, what we want from life, like uh, of health. The future and a, and, and a survival that uh, will will just you know bring a garden back to the planet. I say, yeah, that's a great conscious wish. That's a desire. It's even a positive thought. And, and I think, well, God, if we just all held that, uh, we would be in great shape. And then I say, well, wait, we have to first understand that as neuroscience revealed that it's our subconscious programming that runs the show 95% of the time. And then we go back and find out that's how our culture was programmed. Uh, we were programmed with beliefs that then shape our lives. And they're unconscious, and when we express these beliefs, most of them which are limiting and self-sabotaging, we don't see them because it's unconscious. It's called subconscious. And, and that's when I say in a lecture, I usually give a story about like a, you have a very close friend. You know your friend very well. But you know your friend's parent. And at some point, you recognize that your friend and their parent share the same behavior. And then you go someday casually, you go, you know, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then you realize as you stand back, Bill is like crazy. Like, how can you even compare me to my father? Uh, and everybody in the audience generally laughs because they're familiar with something like this. And yet what's important about it is this. We're all Bill. We all have behaviors that we were programmed with that we don't see. So Bill didn't see he was doing those behaviors, but everybody else did. And the nature then of our lives is... We think we're running our life with our conscious mind. Neuroscience says 95% of it comes from our subconscious mind, and those programs came from our parents. So when we're not looking, we, we become those. And then uh, the issue is, so how does evolution occur? And the answer is take back the power. Reprogram the subconscious habits to bring habits of health and happiness and a life of empowerment versus the programming that has led us to be in the empowered state, we, the disempowered state that we perceive ourselves in now. So the evolution is very interesting. It's not an evolution that's just going to happen to us. We're not going to sit in an easy chair and one day evolution occurred. This evolution is a evolution of consciousness. We have to understand who we are and how we operate so we can take back the control. 
And, and it's very interesting because the concept of this control is not just a new scientific awareness. Uh, uh, for 1,500 years, the Jesuits would say something like, uh, uh, you give me a child and I will show you the man, or something to the effect that uh, if you give me a child until it's six or seven, it will belong to the church for the rest of its life. Uh, it was already an awareness that you can program somebody's life if you take their first six years. And so, uh, uh, to me, it's like, what, you think somebody forgot about that over the 1,500 years? Uh, th this is so powerful because we have lost our control because of our own belief that we are disempowered, fragile, uh, living organisms. I mean, uh, people think they're so vulnerable to everything. And then you look at people like well, people walk across burning coals and they don't get burned. Uh, uh, I use in my book examples of, uh, of women who pick up cars uh, when their child is caught under them in an accident. They lift up a car and not even weightlifters lift up the car. So, you know, how did a woman do that? It wasn't even true or in some cases how people uh, have taken poison or something like that with a knowingness and survived it because of their total belief that they were you know empowered to do so and I yes. give all these kinds of examples and I we're all we're all those people we are all powerful but it's our own personal beliefs that we've got yes. from others yes that have so, taken that away Bruce. Thank you so yeah. much for joining us on the show today. It's been an <gasps> honor and delight having you with us. I can't believe we're at the end of the show already. Uh, Here we 11 are. more hours, please, KG. 11 <laughs> hours. I get it all out. You'll have to come back. You'll have to come back. I don't know about that. Next week, my guest will be the phenomenal Dr. Darren Weissman, developer of the Lifeline Technique and author of The Power of Infinite Love and Gratitude. Dr. Wonderful Weissman's man. new book. Yes, he is. You know him. That's right. You know Absolutely. Darren. Very Awakening wonderful. to the Awakening to the Secret Code of Your Mind is being released March 1. We will be taking calls for the Lifeline Technique with Dr. Weissman, so please please be sure to tune in. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. I love being here with you and look forward to being with you again next week. Come interact with me on Twitter and Facebook and sign up for my newsletter at kgstyles.com. Thanks again, Bruce. You Thank are you. Listening to, you are listening to Transform and Heal Your Life. This is KG Styles, CBS Radio.